coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Protein is the most satiating nutrient and most of us under eat it. And what it does more importantly for most people though, is it displaces energy, which is carbs and fat, right? Fat, very energy dense, right? Uh, still, I would say better for most people than carbs because carbs are very tricky. Like the carb source matters and how fast you eat it and when you eat it. And like, there's so many variables to carbs and carb juice come in the form of things that include lectins and other things that can cause irritants to your biology that a lot of people don't even know about. They're not diagnosing. And so the way to think about this as a first principle is I always try to prioritize protein in my meal, eat as much of it as I can, as I can literally stomach. Cause I'm telling you, like, I just, it's for me. And some people are like this, you eat like a pound of steak or chicken and your body's like craving the carbs and energy, but you st- like, it's really hard to keep eating protein. Like it, I just get so full, so fast on protein, but when I eat more of it, I displace eating the carbs and the tasty things that I know I shouldn't be eating. You know, and I, I eat less of the energy. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the founder of Wild Foods and podcast host of Better Human Podcast, Colin Stucker. We discussed how he started his supplement business, Wild Foods, the lack of transparency in the supplement industry, keys to being successful, along with his daily routine, his thoughts around the importance of protein, is chicken really healthy, which supplements to focus on, and is one tip to get your body back to what it once was. This was a great interview. Colin brought a ton of passion and great tips. I know you're going to enjoy this. I truly did. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have a special guest, Colin Stuckert. He is the founder of Wild Foods and the podcast host of Better Human. Welcome to the show, Colin. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I see a lot of your content. I know you've been on YouTube a bunch and uh, a bit on Instagram and things. And I, I just love the passion that you bring to everything that you're doing. Um, and I definitely checked out uh, Wild Foods as well. So how did you, maybe before we get into some details, <clears throat> how did you go down the journey of you know finding or f- founding Wild Foods along with uh, obviously your podcast and everything else? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was on a podcast recently and I talked about it. And I feel like I'm getting better every time I talk about this. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it succinct though, because it's, as it goes with anything, it's like a 10 to 15 year journey. At least it has been for me, right? Mm. Entrepreneurship, health, all these different things. Uh, and I guess long story short, it was like, got into fitness young, did the bodybuilding thing, found CrossFit. CrossFit led me into this whole new world of other things like paleo and uh, ancestral and eating. You know, And then for me, that was a big aha moment. That led me to becoming obsessed with nutrition. And then I got into supplementation. Then I got into like keto uh, butter coffee, you know, bulletproof coffee, Dave Asprey was doing his thing. And I just kept going like more and more and more level, 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 trying new things and got a little bit healthier each time, got a little bit fitter, got a little bit closer to my goals. And then, you know, even to this point to this day, like, I feel like there's just so much that so many people are missing and none of it's that complicated. It's usually, it's mostly the basics. Right. Uh, and there's so much convoluted nonsense that detracts people from that. Um, and I'm just like passionate about wanting to share that and remind people and reinforce that and motivate them and whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, knowledge is power. That's what I've learned through this whole journey. And so um, the question was how to get into that. It was mostly just scratching my own itch. Uh, mm-hmm. Wild Foods kind of happened out of, I was doing the Bulletproof Coffee every morning, getting heavily into that. And this was like, you know, right early on, right before Bulletproof what it was what it is today. Right. And I just like reading his blog and kind of looking into that a little bit. And so the fasting thing that became interesting, I dove into that and I started using a lot of whey protein. I was using grass-fed butter, whey protein, MCT oil, using all these, all these ingredients in that standard recipe. And I was buying them from like wherever I could get them. And I'm like, what, like, how are these made? Like what's in, what's in these products? There's literally almost nothing on the label. Like there's, they don't talk about the farm or the animals or the food or this or that, or like how it's made or how it's transported. And even to this day, the supplement industry and most of the food industry is severely lacking in transparency. Like we have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, right? <laughs> you talk to anybody who's worked in a restaurant, they tell you how crazy a small restaurant is and the stuff that you would not want to see, 
right? Imagine mm-hmm. that at a massive scale with like thousands of employees and, and shipping and trucking and whatever. So it really was like, I wanted to start sourcing really high quality ingredients for myself. Yeah. And I started with one grass-fed whey protein. I found the best, what I think is the best stuff in the world, even to this day. And I started buying huge bags of it. I, you know, I said, I'm a business and I, I want to be a wholesale customer. I was basically just getting it for myself. And then I was like, well, what if other people want really good protein too? Like, I don't know, maybe they're out there. And so I started putting it in bags. I took these huge 40 pound bags and I put into smaller bags and then I listed it online, put on Amazon, you know, again, six years ago, it was a little bit easier to do this. Uh, and people started buying it. Like I did nothing but just list it on Amazon. And then I doubled down and I invested and I invested and lost new products. And that first year we had done, you know, half a million dollars in sales. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm onto something. And so, you know, since then uh, the rest is history. We've grown and, you know, now most of my focus today is just on education. That's what I'm really passionate about is just helping people think critically, think for themselves and get access to, you know, there is some really good first principles that if you can focus on that, you can ignore so much of the nonsense that comes out in food research and just research in general or capitalist science or like, you know, there's just so much that's going on. And what we need more of is people that can think in first principles and get back to the basics. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a great. So the first year, uh, that just shows you that's a true entrepreneur right there. You, you did a half a million, uh, would you say half a million? We had half a million that first year. I mean, but the first January I had sold $500 of one product. Right. (laughs) And then it was like, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two hundred, and then I started adding more products, and I just kept like reinvesting, reinvesting. And yeah, I mean, I've I've had that entrepreneurial bug, so like I was, you know, I definitely took advantage of it. Right. But like it was purely accidental. I had no business plan. I had no idea. I in fact just moved to Austin. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I'd sold my gym and some other things I had in Florida. I just wanted to move west. I wanted to find a more kind of open-minded city mm-hmm. from where in Florida where I grew up, and like I just happened upon it. But it also kind of shows you the importance of setting yourself up to be lucky, right? It's like you take action, things happen, you learn, you take more action. And then if you do that enough, you will literally manufacture luck for yourself. You just don't know what that looks going to look like. So you just keep taking advantage of opportunities and it, you just basically create it. Yeah. And uh, I noticed uh, uh, you have um, a giveaway, seven principles of better human health. And you know, you mentioned that. What, what, why don't we talk a little bit about that? I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about taking action. Would you just say that would be action? Would that be principle number one? <laughs> well, act, so the seven principles, that's more from a health perspective. So okay. it's, it's all the basics of health. Okay. Uh, I need to make one that's like the seven principles of success, right. because the first thing would be action. I mean, it literally, uh, it trumps everything. If you think about this for a second, you know, I use the analogy of my son who is just trying to walk. He's about one. And he hasn't quite mastered that walking thing just yet. And I use the analogy of like saying, well, okay, if I sat him down and he could, you know, understand me, I could have a conversation and I could, I could explain to him biomechanically how he should walk. Mm-hmm. Right. And he can be like, oh my gosh, I totally get it. This makes sense. I'm ready. Let's go. And then he stands up and he falls flat on his face. Right. You cannot learn anything without action. Everything, even, even if it's just pure information. Right. And you have to apply it and connect it to other things and kind of, uh, analyze it and then go in the real world, share it with others, debate it, whatever, every single thing, uh, for success, for learning is action. It's, it's the foundation. So I call it the success loop. It's basically you take action, you learn from that action, then you take better action. And then you learn from that action. And it's kind of like this infinite thing where it's just forever. You're forever taking action. You're forever learning. And ideally you're taking better action and you're listening to feedback, which not everyone's very good at that. So that's, that's its own thing. But if you continually take action and then you continually try to learn from that action to take better action, everybody can, can be successful in whatever way they want to, if they just follow that principle, right? Like it's, it's so powerful yet. It's also surprisingly like so ignored because any big idea in our culture today if hard work is part of it, which most things that worth it, most things that are worth it require hard work. It's just not a convenient narrative, right? People want the easy fix, the pill, the this, that, whatever. But the reality is hard work, consistency, and sticking to, you can literally accomplish anything you want. Anybody can. Yeah. And I love that. And on that note, what would you say? And I noticed you're a routine guy. I'm a big like morning routine guy. What are yep. some of the things that you do in the morning to set you up for success, both in your health and you know in your business? Oh, I'm not perfect with this, of course. Uh, okay. Well, but, we, we all aren't, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I definitely have an, a, a kind of a more ideal routine that, where I would, <clears throat> I'd get outside, I'd take a walk, get in the sun. I do a little bit of meditation. Mm-hmm. I do my stretches. Um, I mean, mo- most of that I do actually do right now. I have this 
kind of morning routine exercise that I do for my back manias because I've had some back pain. So I do this thing every morning. It's a gosh, it's amazing. It's like the 10 minute routine that I follow. That's actually helped because that's been prescribed to me by, by a practitioner. Hmm. And it's like, you have to do this every day. So that What's was it actually, called? What's it's it called a gashu gotcha. for pain management. Yeah. It's amazing. And, um, I, I hired this person, you know, and then they gave me this program yet. If I found that program on my own, I probably wouldn't have had the same adherence to it, but I literally do it every day. So I'm not just do it twice a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I put a little bit of skin in the game. I paid for it. Um, I'm also getting results with it. So it feels great. So it's, it's this very self-reinforcing loop of having skin in the game plus getting results. Right. But mm-hmm. that has been an anchor. And what it's allowed me to do is every morning I know that I need to get outside and get sunlight first thing in the morning. It's one of the most important things for setting your circadian rhythm and just having, you know, for the rest of the day, feeling great, get that vitamin D going. It's a first principle of human health. You need sunlight. Okay. Especially in your eyes. So this new routine, I go outside and I try to do it outside as much as I can. And that gets me the sunlight and I'm out there for about the 10 minutes I need. It's like a minimum to be out there. And it's like this perfect thing, right? So it's like, I've had that on my to-do list for years though, that every, you have to get outside. Ideally you take a walk, ideally you move. And that mm-hmm. should be like the foundation. But you know, when it got really cold here in Austin, I stopped doing that. Like in the summer, it's great. I go outside and sweat and do this thing. And I loved it. And then winter came along and like, I lost the habit. Right. Mm. And so I think I'm going to keep it now either way, because I have this morning routine to, to coincide with that. But I would say that's really where people should focus on is some kind of movement, uh, sweat exercise. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could be something simple. And, you know, a walk is actually amazing and get that sunlight in, get that movement in and don't turn your phone on. Don't go on Twitter. Don't go on whatever, like do not start your day uh, with like checking your text messages, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you are prone to have like work infect personal life, because mm-hmm. that can literally set your entire day up uh, for, in the wrong way, right? W- versus setting your entire day up for success by starting with, you know, basic health you need to get done. You know, maybe spend time with your kids or laugh or smile, or listen, do something that's going to get you in a better mood. And that will literally translate to the rest of the day. So that's, I think for most people, keep it simple. Sunlight, movement, and something that can kind of, you know, set the mood right. Yeah, that, that's great. I always say you want to have that morning routine. And then in the evening, how do you sort of settle down? And what's some of the type of things that you do in the evening to sort of, you know, obviously sleep is, I would imagine sleep's one of your principles of better human health. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so what are some of the things you do to set yourself up for that? Oh, so again, sleep, you, everyone needs a sleep hygiene routine. They need, you know, uh, I use sound machines. I use blackout curtains, pitch black room to the point where I literally tack up anything where light comes in. Mm-hmm. So my room is basically cave at all times. Like I, I just gave up using blinds because that messes with my, my sleep routine. Um, and I use the F.Lux app and the night shift on my phone. Anything that reduces blue light at night is huge. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed a correlation to when I'm watching or when I was watching more Netflix or movies at night, especially stuff that kind of is uh, action packed or whatever, mm-hmm. you definitely get in a heightened state. And what that does is that I've noticed that the more I do that, the later I go to sleep mm-hmm. uh, and the less I do that or the earlier I do that the more naturally my body's like, okay, ready to go to sleep, right? Even if I go on the computer afterwards, but definitely screen use and getting off screens as early as possible is, is massive. Um, Kindle's great because you don't have the blue light. It's kind of like, you know, use that and you can use low light, use paper uh, or not paper, but use, uh, what is it? So I have orange bl- glow bulbs. Oh, yeah. I have the paper white. And then I kind of do like a low light. You don't want bright things and you, you don't want artificial light as much as possible. And so like the, like the Himalayan lamps. Yeah, that's great. You can literally buy like baby glow, like night night light bulbs, which are orange hue and that remove the blue light. So every single light in my bathroom in my room has those. Hmm. And then, yeah, like definitely getting off the screen and trying to just wind down with like reading fiction or just Hmm. doing kind of low stimulation stuff as much as two hours before bed is just massive. Right. And then also in the morning, getting that sunlight is massive. Uh, right. I do red light therapy. I got some red light, red light devices, one on my desktop, one in my office. I do that. And a lot of magnesium. And I'm actually going to be mm. start, starting to do Epsom salt at night because lately I've been, my sleep has kind of been chaotic. I'm trying to optimize some of my mineral stuff. I've done some mineral testing lately. Mm. Uh, and magnesium is definitely important. Yeah. And what, what would you say? I know you're in the ancestral eating. I am too. Um, what would you say the basis of, and intermittent fasting? I notice you you post stuff on that as well. So I'm big in intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you combine those two, uh, throughout the day? I know you're fasting. I think I, last time I saw is your fasting window about 18, six. Does that sound about right? Yeah. When I first got into it, I was following the lean, lean gains method, which I highly yeah. recommend reading any of Martin B stuff. It's great stuff. And then I, over time, just stop obsessing over it. And I think it's good to maybe obsess over it in the beginning and like create some really hard and fast rules because right. that will, keep you adhered to it 
to the point where your, your metabolism adjusts and then it becomes natural. So now I just listen to my appetite. Uh, in fact, some, some, <clears throat> some days I actually try to eat breakfast just because it's so outside of my norm. I try to do it for metabolic flexibility just to mix it up. Right. 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 Uh, but I'm usually never hungry in the mornings. And I used to force myself to eat breakfast, you know, years ago when everyone said breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I literally felt like crap afterwards. I would do my coffee out of my breakfast and I would have like a headache. I'd get tired. Like I get groggy and I'm like, what's wrong with me? I, you know, it's not working. And then I found intermittent fasting. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I do that now. I mostly just do cold brew coffee in the morning. When I get to the coffee shop, I do water, a little bit of uh, pink salt in my water. I'm trying to up, up my sodium intake lately. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some electrolytes in there. And then I don't eat anything until later, you know, depending if I'm extra sore, I might be extra hungry. So I might break my fast at like 3 p.m. And this is me waking up at like 9 a.m., right? So like 3 p.m. Or if lots going on, I'll wait till dinner time, five, six, I'll eat. And then I usually have a second meal after dinner. I haven't quite mastered like one meal a day. I don't think for me, it, it really works because I just don't I, think I can eat enough. Like I get so full on, right. and I don't feel good. And then I need to eat again. So I'm trying to really dial in like the first and second meal. But I think for most people, the first meal being a big meal, I go with steak every single time. And then my, my, my second meal is usually like a little bit more mixed up. Maybe I'll have some fruit here. I'll have always an animal-based protein, but I'll mix up other things that I, that we have around the house or do some like ground beef or leftovers or whatever. But the first meal is always like literally two steaks if I can, if I can manage it and we have it. Uh, and that's mostly what my routine is right now. Yeah. I'm the same way. I've gone back and forth. I usually break, like I haven't had anything today. It's two 15. Um, and I usually have two meals a day. I found that I try, you know, one meal a day every, every once in a while is fine, but like, Right. Like you, like you can't get enough in almost. Yeah, I eat so much. Yeah. And, and that was, that sort of leads to my other question, which gets, comes up a lot, um, is protein. Mm. How do you go about, you know, I know with, you know, you, you guys sell, um, you have a whey protein, right? I think you have a collagen protein. Yep. Um, what's your thoughts around that and how much, how much per person it's, it's, I think it's like a widely debated thing. And I don't even know if there's a really a right answer. Yeah. Oh, this is actually a huge topic. Like I've done videos on this. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think about the, the, so I did this when I was in the carnivore diet and I was documenting that on YouTube. I did a video on how much protein and it's something that I still try to prioritize. So right. Ted Nyman has his PE diet, which is the protein to energy ratio. And for me, this was like one of those, this is a, this is one of the amazing heuristics to think about nutrition for me, the final piece, because when I did carnivore, I did paleo carnivore, you know, like always generally low carb. And I came to some of these realizations about nutrition. One of them was that if you cook your food and you prepare your high quality ingredients, that's like the 80, 20 for health. That's what everybody should be doing. Right. It almost doesn't matter what you eat. If you make it from scratch, yeah. that's like advice we should give to the masses. Right. If you want to optimize though, you got to listen to your biology. Not everybody can eat grains. Not everybody can eat uh, even certain plant foods. They, you know, they have autoimmune issues. So like, there's a lot to it beyond that, depending on the individual. And if you're trying to optimize for health, uh, fitness and looking, you know, looking good or performing, that's when we want to get a little bit more specific about our macros and what foods we're eating and not. Um, and so one of the first principles for me and what nine, Ted Nyman, Dr. Nyman's diet really brought for me was thinking about protein as nitrogen and everything else as energy. That was just such a simple way to kind of think about food. Hmm. What that means basically is protein is mostly used for repair and recovery, right? And this is why for years, bodybuilders, you know, even back in Arnold's day, they would just eat hundreds and hundreds of grams of protein and then kind of fill in the gaps with everything else. Right. Well, the reality is that's what most of us should be doing in our modern environment because protein is the most satiating nutrient and most of us under eat it. And what it does more importantly for most people though, is it displaces energy, which is carbs and fat, right? Fat, very energy dense, right? Uh, Still, I would say better for most people than carbs because carbs are very tricky. Like the carb source matters and how fast you eat it and when you eat it. And like, there's so many variables to carbs and carbs usually come in the form of things that include lectins and other things that can cause irritants to your biology that a lot of people don't even know about. They're not diagnosing. And so the way to think about this as a first principle is I always try to prioritize protein in my meal, eat as much of it as I can, as I can literally stomach. Cause I'm telling you, like, I just, it's for me and some people are like this you eat like a pound of steak or chicken and your body's like craving the carbs, the energy, but you like, it's really hard to keep eating protein. Like it, I just get so full, so fast on protein. But when I eat more of it, I displace eating the carbs and the tasty things that I know I shouldn't be eating, you know, and I, I eat less of the energy. So every meal we focus on pro prioritizing 
a, you know, maybe a handful size of protein and maybe even eat that first and then give yourself some time to like under, like let your, your gut communicate to your brain that you're full. Cause I tend to overeat. I eat too fast. And then I'm like, I feel full afterwards. Right. So let your body kind of signal eat slow and then fill in the gaps with carbs and protein or carbs and fat you're for with energy. Right. And so every meal you think, okay, is my plate or is this food I'm eating? Is this energy? Is it carbs and fat? Like I was snacking last night on these like gluten-free potato chips and like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not under any illusion that that's good for me or whatever, but I have it every so often. I enjoy food and I'm saying to myself, energy, energy, like everybody's like energy, energy, energy. And it definitely is like a mental heuristic to remind myself that I need to continually be vigilant against eating energy and continue continually prioritize protein. That's literally for most people, like could solve so much of the complexity and simplify eating prioritize protein, nitrogen, rest and repair and recovery. Think about protein that way. And everything else is energy. And the problem is most people consume too much energy. And when you consume too much energy, you get what? Fat. And mo- most people are at, are at a struggle of eating too much energy. They have way too much energy, not enough nitrogen, not enough recovery, right? And then they overeat and, and you know, then they feel bad about themselves and they overeat and like it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's a great simplistic way of thinking about it. Actually, I had Dr. Ted on on the podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I love I love everything he puts out there. Um, what would you so so? It, it sounds to me like you've gone away from bulletproof because obviously with bulletproof you're adding in a lot of fats, uh, butter and and MCT oils and things like that. Is that something you still do, or have you gotten away from that? No, I still fat is still preferable than carbs, especially for somebody like me who tends to be a carb and sugar addict. Mm. Right. So like, I, I would always prefer to be eating clean fats. And I mean, if you think about this and we could get back to your question about the ratio of protein, right. I've tracked this. Like if, if, if a human can eat 50% protein, which is that actually at the upper tier of anthropological data we have, like there's like only one hunter gatherer we've ever observed that was eating like 50% protein. Like it's a lot of freaking protein to eat 50% of your calories from protein. Right. Yeah. I've maybe done it on a day where I had lots of steak, but I mean, it's really pushing it. And so what I've found for me that my ideal minimum range is, is about 30% of calories from protein. And then what that leaves you though, is that leaves 70% of your calories having to come from energy. And that's where it gets tricky because carbs are tasty. They're, they're easy to overeat, you know, some forms of fat are as well, but generally fat is more of a satiating nutrient and it's harder to overeat fat than it is to eat carbs, especially if you're not just like eating gallons of nut butter or whatever, it depends on like the, <laughs> the, the fat source, of course. Right. And so what I like to do is I just kind of always think about the carbs on my plate, the fruit, or if we have like gluten-free pasta one day, or even if we have some like local sourdough bread, I, I kind of opened up my, my food choices a little bit, but it's always around really high quality ingredients. Right. Uh, I always have minimum amount of that, of the carb-based energy as possible. And then I have my protein and the fat kind of like, it's not something I consciously eat, and for some people, this works. Like some people that are hardcore keto, they need to like prioritize fat and they kind of have to watch your protein, even though I think there's some myths around that. I think most people should be eating more protein. But if you're doing it that way and you're doing it for like a therapeutic reason or just works for you or whatever, then like for sure, like you're going to have to probably track your fat. I've just found that if I'm prioritizing protein, I still eat like a little bit of carbs here and there, or I always try to aim to even go some meals with no carbs, right? Especially if I'm trying to pay attention to whether I'm leaning out or not. Uh, I'm always trying to keep my carbs low. The fat just figures itself out, right? Whether it's butter, whether it's just like what I'm cooking it in. Yeah, it's not something that I personally think, oh, I need to eat my fat. It just tends to kind of come in, right? Right. Because it's just part of my natural diet. I use a lot of butter and ghee and whatever uh, and fatty meats, of course. So yeah, it's definitely depending on the individual. That's that's a tricky one. But if if most people were hitting 30% protein and then controlling their carbs, whatever's left in between, it'll just figure itself out. Like, cause fat is so calorie dense. It just tends to work itself out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm the same way. I mean, if you're cooking in, like you said, ghee, butter, even tallow, uh, those are great sources to cook in. And, uh, if you're having, you know, ribeye, you're getting right. plenty of good fats from that. Um, I know you posted something on YouTube around, uh, white meat versus red meat. Um, yep. let's maybe touch on that. Cause I've run into, I have clients and they're like, Oh, I have chicken, like literally every meal. And I just try oh, to, geez. I yeah. try to push them to focus more on red meats, but it's such like a society, societal, like, um, uh, norm. They think that, Oh, well, chicken's healthier. It's leaner. Right. Uh, I know, I know you did a whole thing on, on YouTube so people can watch that, but what would you say, um, a good way to sort of sum, sum the difference between the two up? Yeah. My evolution of this 
has been like everyone else. You think chicken's good. I used to eat it with like chicken breast and brown rice. Like it was like the bodybuilding stack of like, well, it was healthy. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where I was adding more steak, becoming more pro red meat. And then I was still eat chicken here and there. Now I'm to the point where chicken to me is a treat because chicken, I think most of the time, and a lot of people may not like to hear this, chicken is a pro-inflammatory food for most people. Okay. Now I've had a couple of guests on the podcast, one particular Eugene that he, his whole brand is talking about how the grocery store food is like really bad. Like most of it, even if it's like organic free range chicken and how bad that can actually be hmm. chicken though, as a food is just, it, it's poultry. It's just not something that if you look in nature, if we go to the first principles of being a hunter gatherer, we would always prioritize uh, water, Buffalo, bison, woolly mammoths, these huge land animals that are, guess what? red meat, full of nutrition, B vitamins, whatever. And how often would would we have had birds or poultry or small animals? Well, whenever we could catch it, sure. But it wouldn't have fed our entire group of hunter-gatherers. You see what I'm saying? If you look at nature and we try to think, okay, what foods are abundant and we've eaten a lot of, poultry just isn't one of those things. So it's something that we've taken and we've industrialized and we've brought to the masses and then it supported this low-fat cholesterol fear-mongering lipid hypothesis, which is basically debunked crap. And that's why people believe what they believe, right? Chicken is not a health food, period. Hands down, period. Red meat, uh, wild-caught game, uh, wild-caught fish, sardines, shellfish, things like this. These are actually the healthiest foods for the human animal, right? And so that's now how I think about it. I think that if you want to have chicken a couple times a week, okay, whatever, great. Like it's it's primarily pro uh, or nitrogen, so it's primarily protein, so great. But- it's just not really good for you. You have omega-6 issues. It doesn't have B vitamins. It's just not very nutrient dense. And then the way it's made, chicken is usually mass produced. Even the really, really good chicken at the farm level, like it just, there's not a lot of nutrition in it, right? Yeah, no, I don't. It's, uh, it's, it's just one big myth out there regarding chicken. Yep. And, uh, and it's probably, they probably get really good margins, right? I mean, that's probably why you see it sold all over the place because it's not probably that expensive to, to manufacture that. Um, well, they can do it at such a massive scale, like in anything in food, right. the bigger scale you do it, the more unhealthy it is for the end consumer. Right. What were t- some of the type of things you learned? You know, I know you're in the supplement business. What did you learn about, um, like the quality, quality supplements first, obviously a lot of supplement companies where it's just, um, watered down and they're just trying to make money, you know, what, yeah. what, was, yeah. <laughs> what I've learned about the supplement <laughs> industry is that if I really wanted to, I could put anything in a bottle. And I could sell it for, and I could call it anything. Okay. There is so little transparency. And I mean, it's, it's this weird thing. It's like the bigger the company, the more you have to risk. So generally the bigger the company in the sub space, the more that they have at least their, their testing standards in a row. And like they have their COAs and things like that. But what you also find is a lot of these bigger brands, these bigger sub most ingredients are coming from China. Mm-hmm. Most of them, there's literal no insight into how they're produced at any level. Like, like supplement brands usually have no idea what happens at the farm level. Like if you have to grow an ingredient or you have to extract it from something like fungi or whatever, there's no understanding whatsoever what happened before this supplier said, oh, I got bulk X, it costs this much or whatever. What you see is a lot of these, these bulk suppliers, like let's say they come out of China, they just get massive amounts of this stuff and they get it from wherever they can get it. And then they sell it to like co-mans in America. And then these co-mans in America say, oh, we can do that formulation. These are the ingredient list this is what we have. This is the origin. This is the price and put it together and you have a capsule or you have a powder or you have this or whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like a black box, right? Like very few companies have any clue whatsoever goes into uh, their, their, their supplements and very few companies are willing to spend the extra money because higher quality ingredients do cost a lot, sometimes double what you can get, you know? And so that's always been something that I prided myself with is we'll always make sure that the stuff we're sourcing is either as close to the farm level as possible, or uh, it is, we do extra things to make sure that we get a better crop or a better ingredient that are always more expensive. And generally our manufacturers aren't too happy about it because they almost have to make an exception for us because the way they do for other brands, it's just like the standard way everyone else does it. So it's cheaper for them to just do the standard thing and not have to change anything for us or whatever. So you just have to trust the brand. You have to trust, you have to be able to trust um, maybe who's behind the brand and, or, and you got to try the products yourself. And if, you know, if, if it's okay for you or you test it and, you know, 
I don't know. It's really hard thing. I don't really know how to answer that, to be honest. Well, I mean, you did, (laughs) you did answer it. I, um, this might be a loaded question. What would you say, uh, and, and, and this is probably maybe products that you have, what would you say would help individuals maybe that, because I see this a lot with clients, you know, maybe a lower testosterone um, and, you know, low DHEA. Is there something that you, you would supplement, supplement that you would target to help with that? Before I answer that, I would say that night, like most people should focus on just eating real clean food at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're not cooking most of your meals at home, and you're not eating nutrient dense foods, like we talked about grass and beef, wild game, wild caught uh, fish, shellfish, et cetera. If you're not already eating these super nutrient dense foods as the bulk of your diet, and you're just like eating at restaurants, eating out of package, like getting your chicken breasts here with that, whatever, like don't worry about supplements, right? Get, get as much as you can from food, which also as a result removes so much of the toxicity and the irritants and the other things you're getting that come along with that. Go get home get cooking, get prepping, do whatever you need to do. And then once that is your foundation, then you can look into optimizing. Now there are so many supplements and there's so many minerals and different things that people could optimize for or need. Um, And so that's kind of hard to answer. But what I generally do is I recommend that people stick with the basics. So I'll just stick with my stack, right? And this is what generally most people need. Most people need a vitamin D3, maybe K2, mostly just because they're not getting outside. And I still take it from time to time, especially in cloudy days or days where I'm not feeling too great. I'll just take it for a little bit of a boost. That's, that's a bit, uh, a foundational, uh, an omega three for most of us, especially since there's so much omega six in our food supply. And so our wild caught fish oil is great. I use that daily. I also do a cod liver oil from another brand that I like. It's a cold processed cod liver oil. I also though eat whole cod liver in a can that I blend with sardines. We make a cod liver pate and the whole mm. family eats that. Right. So that's like, that for me is a supplement right there. Then we do like, I'll do collagen away here and there, just depending on um, if I'm doing coffee at home or if, you know, post-workout or whatever. And honestly, I should probably do it more just to up my protein. Like we talked about, I should be doing that more to prioritize my protein and kind of leave less room for the energy. So that's like a constant ongoing battle that I have. And then definitely magnesium. So magnesium is one of those things that like, if you try to get it from just the food supply, it's really hard to do. And it's also one of those things that it seems like it's so integral to so many processes in your body that it tends to get depleted and we just need more of it to, to try to compensate. And so most people are low. My buddy, I got to give him a mention, uh, upgraded formulas. He actually has a test where you can do a mineral test. And I just did this. Him and I are going to record a podcast soon, kind of going, going over my results. But what I found through that test, which is a hair test, is that I have uh, low sodium. So surprisingly, I need to actually supplement with, with salt. I need to be consuming more pink salt. Mm. Uh, I have my, my magnesium levels are kind of okay, but I'm also supplementing heavily, which, so which that would tell you is that if I wasn't supplementing, they'd probably be very low, mm. you know? And then I have a couple of issues with like, I think I have a little bit too much mer- mercury and I need to increase my copper and calcium to kind of help buffer that. Uh, so th- these are when people want to optimize go to that next level, they should definitely do something like a mineral test and get figure it out. Right. Uh, right. and then kind of optimize for that based on what they need, because like just taking a supplement because you think it'll help you here or whatever, you may not even need it. You might even be over in some areas. Like I I'm actually have, um, too much potassium in my, my system right now. And so he's like, give me some strategies for doing that. And it might be because I'm not actually not getting enough potassium and my body's holding on to it. So that's an interesting thing, mm-hmm. but I would definitely recommend doing something like the mineral test because you can actually get a, a lot of data for, you know, it's a hundred bucks and they'll review it with you and everything. So that's really cool. Mm, but nice. And that's from Upgrade Formulas? Upgraded Formulas. My buddy yeah. Barton. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that's a hair test. Okay. Yep. Hair test. Does that mean you got to pull out hair? Because mine's falling out. So. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> I I take the hair from the haircut and oh. I'm like, okay, this is a weird request, but give me my hair. And then I, <laughs> and I, and I ship it in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, so they don't need the root. They just need... They just need some hair. You some just cut hair. it or whatever. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That... That, yeah, I just, my wife and I just got uh, some blood work done and we've been going through um, some analysis of that. And, and yeah. I agree. I think you need, you need that baseline. You need something to, to like measure and, and then adjust. And uh, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. The mineral testing. Cause that's something that I keep hearing magnesium comes up so much, but it's mm-hmm. such an important um, supplement for sure. Yep. Where do you, where are you getting your magnesium from? Um, I don't have a, I don't have a great source. I kind of just buy from a bunch of different brands. And I don't like, again, okay. magnesium is one of those things that it says magnesium on the label. 
And usually there's no country of origin. There's only the manufacturing origin. So if it's made in the US, like, okay, I guess it's a bonus, but the actual magnesium itself and what it's extracted from and how it's extracted, literally no insight whatsoever. Hmm. Like, I don't think you could even get that information from a company if you ask them. And so that's just one of those things like, I mean, maybe we should, while should work on that, to be honest, like that's an opportunity, like a magnesium that is sourced from whole food with a, a, a controlled, uh, an audit supply chain, like from start from farm level to, or wherever we're getting it to consumer, like no idea. And yeah, magnesium is just one of those things that people need. And so I don't know, I, I just, I try a few brands on Amazon and I kind of stick with the ones I like. And so, okay. you know, I, I think know. there's like five forms of magnesium. There's a bunch of different yes, forms. And that's, right? that's very important. You actually yeah. want to take as many different forms as possible. There's a few that you can actually optimize for, for sleep too. And like some, I, I forget the different kinds, like Celate, I think it's good for sleep. I take that. I take, um, I don't see citrate's the most common one, but that's generally a laxative, I think. And so you really need to dig into each magnesium and they, there are some brands that have a stack of like all five or six right. or whatever it is. So I've that's cool that. too. And then you can optimize for the ones that are better for sleep, maybe later at night. And then you could take some early in the day that are just general. Yeah. It's just, again, like you kind of have to go a little bit into the weeds to understand what you're trying to do. Uh, but I would say, yeah, just get a mixed magnesium for most people and take a few casts before bed. And that is just like going to be a game changer if they're doing nothing right now. Yeah. And um, going back to your principles of better human health, uh, I know we've hit on a few of them. Are, we, are, are there some things that we're missing that we haven't talked about? So we talked about sleep. Mm -hmm. We talked about food. And if, again, for that is, you know, sleep eight hours in dark room and then go in the sun every day. Like that's right. kind of the basic of that. Uh, real food is scratch, eat, eat meals that are made from scratch, mm -hmm. ideally by yourself at home. Or if you have a chef or wife or this or that or whatever, like just get at home eating your food. That's the first principle. Prioritize protein, you know, and then manage energy, especially if weight loss or anything is a goal. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, there's definitely like some of the more broader topics like, like uh, community, um, happiness, right. being in the moment, not next thing. And I actually haven't opened the PDF in so long. I need, I need to, to pull it up, but social is definitely one of them. Social and community. I mean, we're, we are uh, social creatures. We're tribal creatures. And we actually have a loneliness epidemic in our culture today, mostly because people go online and they think that that's going to re replace the in-person uh, interaction. And it's not, and it's, you know, people are committing suicide rates. We've never seen before young, especially the young generation, which is growing up with social media, comparing their lives to others and mm -hmm. feeling bad for themselves, all shame, guilt, manipulation. Then the algorithms are manipulating us to be outraged all the time. They're manipulating us to vote a certain way, think a certain way. This is, this is a fact. That's not a fact who says, because some other person says like, it's just, that's a whole can of worms, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the real first principle is get off your damn device as much as possible, like turn it off. Right. And, and, and I would even say, stop watching the news. Oh yeah. That's something I need to add. The news, the, the news is designed and social media is to an extent too. In fact, they're different algorithms. The news algorithm is let me make you afraid mm -hmm. and enraged in whatever way that the people that pay for my news organization, whether it's left, right, whatever, in whatever way they want you to think a certain way, that's what I have to do to try to feed you. So that's one algorithm, okay? Social media algorithm is anything that can keep you on the app as long as possible. So, you know, sex, funny, dumb videos, like, like um, politics, you know, be outraged, be angry, be afraid. You know, it's kind of like the news, depending on what you, um, if you follow news, social media news would probably be even, even worse. You know, it's like, it's like news on steroids, basically. You know? Yeah. I think that was one of the best things I did growing up. I remember is I, I, I never watched the news. Mm. Um, just never yeah, same did here. <laughs> I actually got more into the news and politics in 2020 because of the lockdowns and everything than anything. I had to, I didn't even know what left versus right meant like a year ago. And I'm like 36 now. And All it's right. like, I've wanted to just ignore it my whole life, but you know, I have kids now and we sure. do live in this country. There are certain jurisdictional risks and things going on that I'm kind of like, what the hell? So I've had to pay more attention than I want, but I, but every single time it makes me a less happy, less healthy person. Every single time I'm just giving my energy to any of that crap. Right. And I know I'm doing it. I'm paying a health cost and, and a, and a mental health cost. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we haven't touched on is activity. I know we talked a little about walking. I'm well, fitness, yeah. Fitness would be the other first principle for sure. Yeah. yeah. Fitness. What, what type of things do you like to do around fitness? Cause my, I've been, you know, I've been lifting for 20 years, whatever. And my sort of my outlook on workouts has changed a bit over the years. What, what, what do mm -hmm. you, what are some of your principles around working out? Yeah. I mean, my evolution was, you know, hours in the gym. I was basically a gym rat doing the bodybuilding thing. 
and then uh, CrossFit. And then that was a whole nother like gym rat scenario where I'm training a lot and probably overtraining high intensity stuff. Right. And then definitely more of maintenance mode now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to, I want to be lean. I want to live a long time and I don't want pain and I don't want to risk any of that. So my right. stack is twice a week. I play racquetball. So that's my high intensity sport. It's, it's, I'm fortunate that I have a sport that is so much fun to me, but also gives me that, that, uh, exercise benefit. If you can find that, I mean, you're set for life, right? I would highly recommend everyone figure out at least one sport that they can do weekly and that they just love. Right. So right. do a sport, play something, get outside daily, daily walk with the kids. Ideally, you know, maybe twice a day, even get outside in the morning, get outside at night, but always after dinner is what we're trying, we try to do. And then I, we have, we have home equipment. So I have a little gym set up. So I'm always messing with dumbbells and like doing a couple of pull-ups, punching the bag or whatever, just find something that you could have right near you that you will use on a regular basis. I even keep dumbbells in the living room so that if we watch them on Netflix, and I want to do a set, I grab a set or I do some push-up or do some squats. The more frequent you can move, the more frequent you can stress your body in a positive way, the better. And I, I mean, that's kind of the yeah. foundation. Like I, and I, oh, and I still lift I would say like I lift semi-heavy two to three times a week. So I'm still kind of doing a baseline of like your squat, your press, your, your um, deadlift, like the very basic yeah. big pulling and pushing movements. I do that every week. And then my met- metabox taken care of because of racquetball, I get my low medium pace, like Mark Sisson style recommended movement. I get that, hmm. you know, from walking and or hiking or whatever, the more of that, the better. That's probably something I don't do as much of. I mean, if you think about our ancestors, we used to move, climb, crawl, and just like be on the go for like eight hours a day, like maybe longer. I mean, we're talking like 13 to 15 miles a day, just wandering around doing stuff. Right. And like most of us walk less than a mile a day. Like if you think about how, how mismatched that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, had talked about Mark Sisson. I had, I have had Brad Kearns on a couple of times mm. and uh, you know, he talks about these micro workouts and uh, that's something that's changed for me. Like you, I was never like a bodybuilder, but I used to be in the gym hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Now it's like, like you said, I, I just, more volume and less or more frequency and less time almost. Right. Yeah. Like, you do not need hours in the gym. I mean, in fact, nowadays when I go in the gym, cause it used to be an hour was my kind of my mental, um, goal. Like, let me get an hour right. in the gym. I know I'm like, good. Yeah. Now I'm just like, let me get three solid sets in of this movement, like pull-ups or deadlifts or whatever it is. And then get to my kind of failure, close to failure report, get good volume in. And then I don't need to do anything. In fact, I shouldn't do anything else. I'm going to probably negate results if I go beyond this, you know, right, uh, right. most of, and if you look at some of the stuff like body by body by science, Doug McGruff and things like that, like he recommends doing like one failure set a week per main movement and then literally doing nothing else to, for the rest of the week. Uh, because it takes so much to grow muscle and to grow strength and a lot of people overdo it. And, you know, when you overdo it, you can literally waste muscle away. Right. So definitely, definitely less is more when it comes to growth or, or, or development. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, uh, and I haven't actually, I'm interviewing him tomorrow again for the second time, but, uh, you know, the X3, I don't know if you're familiar with X3. Is bar. he the, um, that's the J- bar and the, yeah, yeah, that guy's funny. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Jake wish. Yeah. I've had him on a while back and I got into it during the quarantine because I wanted something to do out, work out at home. And mm-hmm. that's just, I literally go down there and do one to two. I mean, he says one side, sometimes we'll do two, but I'm done. Like I just did one. It took me probably 15, 20 minutes. And is it like full body or is it like a single movement or like, yeah, so you I, could, I almost bought that thing. I'm curious about that. Yeah, no, you could do total body. Um, he splits it up like a push and a pull day. Right. I sort of found my home, my old split with upper lower body is what I'll do. Mm. And I'll just re- rotate every day. Um, and then maybe take a day or two off here and there and just go down and just hit it. Like, you know, um, and I've just seen such gain in my body. I haven't been sore once, you know, I always thought you needed to be sore to build muscle, but you, you don't, I, I can, I'm living proof. I've put on over five pounds of muscle. And, uh, so I'm, yeah. Dang, I'm going to I'm gonna try that. Is that one of the selling points is one of the selling points that you're not really supposed to be sore or is that like a, like a byproduct of that, of that, of that kind of movement style? So it's a byproduct of the movement style because you're using variable resistance, right? Mm, You're using bands. Yeah. Yeah. So as yeah, we can talk about, that could be a whole podcast. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I'm I'm looking at more. I actually have his book. I haven't read it, but like, okay. It's, it's always been interesting. Um, the band stuff. And so. it's a nice change of pace. I mean, I always yeah. was like dumbbells and right, you know, right. all free weight stuff. And now it's like, it might be, it's so easy to store. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a game for changer sure. for me. Um, well, this was great. I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, 
and we could probably talk for another hour. Well, uh, we we'll do a round two in the future. Like we'll pick a specific, <laughs> we'll pick like one topic, right? Cause yeah. yes, I can go on and on about a lot of these things for sure. No, I know we will. I'd love to do a round two down the road. And um, what would you say? Just a, a question I like to ask a lot of guests. What would you give one tip, uh, like a, a middle, middle-aged individual that they're looking to get their body back to maybe what it once was in their twenties and thirties? Uh, you know, what would you give one tip to them? I would tell them to start with their mind and figure out a strong why, hmm. because if they're in their middle you said middle thirties, middle forties. Well, I mean, honestly, let's just say they're in their fifties and they want to get. I mean, fifties even more so, right? Because the older you are and the longer you've gone without a consistent habit, the more that there's a reason for you not having done that. Hmm. So, no tip that I tell you is going to matter if you don't show up and you can't build a consistent daily habit and you haven't connected that to the fact that you're fifty, you're forty, whatever. You're in uh, cancer risk zone. You're in heart disease risk zone. If you haven't figured out what a why is for why you should be moving or washing your weight or eating healthy or doing these things, then like my tips aren't going to mean crap to you, right? You got to figure out a why maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe you're petrified of the doctor and you don't want to go there or like whatever it is. You got to figure out what a why is that's strong enough to get you to show up and do literally anything. Just do something, get moving, cook a little bit more. Like people have this idea that you have to be perfect. And this is also the social media manicured nonsense that infects our brain. It's this idea that I got to do like the expert or if I don't do it perfect and I follow this per routine, like I'm failing. So I might as well do nothing. It's, I mean, I can't even comprehend the logic sometimes. It is so frustrating when I think about it. It's like, it's like one pushup is literally better than zero pushups. You know, like right. one workout right. is better than zero workouts. One workout in six months is better than zero workouts in six months, like whatever. So just figure out a why hmm. to get the consistency down. And the consistency is, could just be anything. It'd be like, okay, every day, no matter what, 10 minutes, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to do like five pushups or something. Just the bare minimum of what your foundation is going to be and then build from there. Mm -hmm. And what most people try to do is they, they, they kind of sit on their ass for months on end and they say, well, I'm thinking about a fitness routine. I'm, I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to do an hour a day or two hours a day. I'm going to kill it. It's going to be amazing. And then like every day that ticks by where they don't do that, they think their brain thinks is actually a psychological trick, but the brain thinks that because I keep thinking about it, I'm actually doing something. So it's almost thinks it's doing the thing right. and it's not. And what you're doing is you're actually training your subconscious that it's better to keep not doing anything, but keep thinking about doing the thing rather than actually doing the thing and not thinking about it at all. So what people need to do is figure out a why to get doing on a daily basis. We talked about the success loop at the beginning of the podcast, action, learning, action, learning, Everything in life is action. Everything in life. I mean, if you think about it, what's the only constant in the universe? Do you know that? I'm, so I'm actually asking. Yeah, you're you. quizzing me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the only constant well, in the universe. You probably time, heard it before. Time, it's very calm. Time. Well, time is, but what does time do? Time goes like this. Time doesn't stop. Right. Change right. is the only constant. That's why they say universe is always in flux. There, the sun is right now dying out. It's not static. It's not there. Earth is always changing. The climate's always changing. Right. Our bodies are always changing. Right. If the only constant in, in this universe that we know over this simulation, whatever you think it is, if the only constant is change, right. you need to respect that and figure out how to use it to change yeah. for your advantage. Because mm -hmm. if the only constant is change and you're resisting the universal law of the universe, then what are you doing? You're declining, you're dying, you're slowly eroding away. You right. have you to figure out a why to embrace change and, cha and change is action. So, so just get acting, get moving, learn, keep doing it. And you know, like it's literally life or death for people. <laughs> right. You either like change could either work for you or against you, but but even if, right. even if you change and it works against you, what is that? What is that giving you? It's giving you data. Right. And then you use that data to learn and adapt and iterate. I mean, I mean, think about Darwin for a second. They, they, they called it survival of the fittest, but it wasn't survival of the fittest. That was another guy that coined that. It was natural selection. It's a species that is most adaptable to the environment, is the most likely to attract mates and raise healthy offspring to continue the process, okay? Mm -hmm. Th that evolutionary step-by-step um, -step is just a thousand, or not, not a thousand, but like trillions of small actions that either kill off some species that aren't able to do it successfully and some thrive and they procreate more and they spread and whatever. Uh, that's what all life is. Life is action and, and change. It's action and change, right? And we have these big brains that we can actually purposefully take actions to change and we can listen to feedback and consciously 
like have a strategy and respond to it and, and build and grow. That's why we can literally send people into space now, right? Like no species has ever been able to do that, at least at least on earth, right? That we know of, you know? So it's like embrace the universal law of the universe and get acting in a conscious way that benefits you. And then keep learning from that action and just be self-aware about what's going on and what you want. And, you know, like live an amazing, healthy life. That's what I want everyone to do. Wow. Awesome stuff, Colin. Um, this is great. This is unlike any other interview I've done, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Um, well, I appreciate it. Um, I'll definitely, where can people find you most? Where do you, where do you put a lot of your, your content out there? Yeah. The best place is to go call it a coach. That's a better human newsletter. And then I'm on Twitter now, which I've recently discovered. I always thought Twitter was kind of a, a cesspool of politics and it really is. But at the same time, it's like the most powerful platform for learning that there ever has been like YouTube and Twitter, like with all their problems of censorship and things like that are still so amazing. It's like the library of Alexandria, like right at your fingertips. And so I've been, I've been on Twitter a lot. And then uh, Instagram, I still post here and there. And the, the Better Human Newsletter is where I put all my content. I'm doing a daily podcast, the Better Human Podcast that you can get on YouTube and all the podcast areas. And those are kind of short bite-sized shows um, because again, it's about repetition. So I, I realized like I want to daily help people and remind people and keep like certain ideas top of mind because that like that's really the thing. Like it's great to be motivated one day and like have these long you know, form talks or like be inspired by some TED talk or whatever, but like most just, it's very hard to go from that to some kind of daily action. So I just think it's all about repetition, you know? So I like to follow the content that every day is challenging me in some way and keep making me better. And so that's kind of what I modeled a better human after. And that's a daily podcast. I just, I just recently got it to daily. Oh, uh, oh. And then I cut the format down a lot. And I do like long form interviews every so often, if sure. it's like a really important subject to talk right. about, but most of it is just like, sh like one idea, five to 10 minutes. Let's just go on it. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Super simple. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I do one twice a week and I'm like, Oh, it seems like a lot, but, they, but well, I give interviews are way good. harder. Trust me. That's why these shows are me. Right. You yeah. know, and then the interviews are like are spread out, you know, that makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> All right, Colin, well, this is great. I appreciate you coming on and we'll have to do it part two down the road. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Hey, Get Lean, Eat Clean Nation. Are you a man between the ages of 40 and 60 years old looking to lose inches around your waist, have significantly more energy throughout the day, and gain muscle, all while minimizing the risk of injuries? Well, I'm looking for three to five people to work one-on-one -on -one with in my Fat Burner Blueprint Signature Program, which I've developed by utilizing my 15 years experience in the health and fitness space. This program is designed specifically for those committed to making serious progress towards our health goals over the next six months. We will focus on sleep, stress, nutrition, meal timing, and building lean muscle. If this sounds like a fit for you, email me at brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. That's brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.